Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 114 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am so thrilled that you are listening. Today's club of the episode is the Winnicott Eagles. The Eagles were founded in 1976 and were previously known as the East Fremantle Amateur Football Club. They play their home games at the Winnicott Reserve on the corner of Winnicott and Bowden Streets in Willagee. I believe it's Willagee. About 15 kilometers south of the Central Business District in Perth. And a big congratulations to Reese Doig and Riley Bourne for their district awards this year with the club. And Eagles, I hope you have a fantastic 2022 going forward here. Now, this episode, I got the opportunity to sit down with a gentleman that, quite frankly, has what might be the most unique job I have ever heard of. And uh, this is a gentleman who I was put in touch with uh, by Darren Green, who helps to run the RVA Lions out of Richmond, Virginia. And I was just going through Richmond last week, in fact, uh, two days ago, as a matter of fact, as I was coming home from visiting my son in Virginia. And uh, I must say, I truly enjoyed the bumper-to-bumper traffic that I was in for about four hours as I was heading back from my my Thanksgiving break. But we're going to get into my discussion with Jeff Grubb here in just a moment. But before I do that, I wanted to take a moment and pay tribute to a fine actor who passed away yesterday, the 29th of November, after a lengthy battle with lung cancer. And uh, I've been seeing the tributes pouring in for him on Twitter. And this is a gentleman by the name of David Golpalil. And he was a tremendous performer. Uh, Dozens and dozens of uh, acting roles to his credit. His his career spanned more than a half century, starting with his uh, early performance in a film called Walkabout. Now, most Americans, and I'm going to apologize right now, the first time most Americans saw this gentleman was in the film Crocodile Dundee. And uh, that was probably the first time that I had seen him as well. But I'd also seen him in a couple of other performances that were just, that were absolutely uh, compelling. Uh, That would be the film Goldstone, which was a precursor to the series Mystery Road that Aaron Peterson performs in where he plays Jay Swan. I have found that series absolutely riveting to watch. And in many ways, to me, if you're a television fan here in the United States, uh, it is an awful lot like the HBO series True Detective because it peels back layers of an onion to dig into what society is like in the northern part of western australia and it's just a fascinating fascinating look at that so uh that's where i most recent one of the most recent spots that i had seen uh mr gopalil perform but then just a couple of weeks ago as a matter of fact i was looking for a film to watch on uh, hbo max and i ran across uh, a film from the mid-70s called the last wave and uh he played in that film, he played a very troubled character by the name of Chris Lee in this psychological thriller. This was a film that had Richard Chamberlain in it and just was just a spellbinding performance on his part. So 
I tip my cap and I say, Valet, David Gilpolil, Valet, sir, you will be missed. You are an icon in Australian film. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to welcome my guest today. In fact, this is my first in-person interview that I have had the pleasure of conducting for the podcast. My guest is a commander in the United States Navy and has spent about a decade or actually a couple decades uh, playing footy throughout the USAFL. I would like to welcome Commander Jeff Grubb to the podcast. Commander, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. This is a, this is a, a great thrill. You know, I've been in uh, Virginia here visiting my son for a couple days, and we've been able to make this connection. So it's been, it's been something I've been looking forward to doing, to talking to you about the game uh, as another player who's involved with the game, but not necessarily somebody who is like coordinating the team. You know, cause I've talked to a lot of people who are like the senior coaches and overseeing the whole club. So it's going to be great to get some of your perspective. So a little background about yourself. You're somebody who is from Alaska, correct? That's correct. I uh, grew up in Juneau. Grew up in Juneau and it's a beautiful area there. I, we were there back in 2015 and I remember, you know, touring around town and, and was amazed that, you know, as the, the capital, it's not as big a city as you might think. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, at the time, so in the 1980s, 1990s, it was about 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I understand it, it's still about 30,000 people. Okay. Um, and it's it's not connected by road to anywhere. So <laughs> on the one hand, you've got a town of 30,000 people. On the other hand, uh, it's both a regional hub. Uh, so we had more sort of small-scale amenities that you would sort of expect with a larger community just simply because uh, if you were from the, the surrounding villages or small towns, you had to come to Juneau right, to, right. to do things. So had, had it become kind of the, the touristy area at that point in time with the cruises when you were growing up, or is that...? Y- yes, yeah, certainly. The, the summer in Juneau is, you know, it's tourist season. Mm-hmm. We service the cruise ships. That, right, right. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was beautiful there, and... Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the time there, and I believe there was like a little small like village that had been recreated that was off on one corner of town, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was there. It might have been Ketchikan, though, that that was... Yeah, that sounds a little bit more like Ketchikan. Okay. Uh, many of the towns there in southeast uh, right. southeast Alaska that right. do those kinds of things. So you've, uh, you've got a background in psychology. In fact, you have your PhD in psychology, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And you that's where you kind of caught the bug with footy when you were working on your graduate work in Colorado, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I uh, went to the University of Denver uh, to study cognitive neuroscience. Uh, and when I was there, I was playing, been playing rugby. Okay. Uh, and uh, the rugby club there uh, at the University of Denver, um, at the time, they weren't particularly well organized. Uh, and also, uh, frankly, you know, I'm, I'm not built to play rugby. So I was... <laughs> I, first year that I was there, I just got crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, broke a finger, broke a nose, separated both shoulders. Both of those were your own that you broke? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> those, those were all on my side. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I was like, well, I got I to gotta do something else because one, I'm getting hurt an awful lot. And two, uh, the, uh, the team just wasn't, wasn't much of a team. They were, they were a drinking club who might play rugby occasionally. Okay. Um, I had, uh, when I was an undergraduate, I'd done junior year abroad in Japan, uh, and so I was, was over there living in a foreign student's dorm. One of the other students there was from Adelaide, Okay. Uh, and she was, frankly, she was attractive, so anything that she was interested in, I was fascinated by. 
Um, you were obviously a smart man. Oh, exactly so. <laughs> uh, and, you know, at, at the time, uh, if you're from the city of churches, uh, and you are representing the city of churches to the rest of the world in this little uh, university in Japan, uh, you know, you, you represent Tony Madra and the Crows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she sort of planted the seed. So, you know, I'm there a few years later in Denver. Uh, and it was like, what non-rugby thing am I going to do? Uh-huh. And I looked up, uh, and the, the Denver Bulldogs had started up. They, they were going for about two years. Okay. Uh, and so I, uh, I went out. It was actually the weekend that I was taking comps, the comprehensive exams. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, uh, August of 1999, I uh, went out for, for footy. Wow. So you've been playing this for... 22 years now yeah on, on and off you've had a couple spots where maybe you haven't been able to as you've moved around the country yeah that that's correct okay uh, so yeah so you you've you've you played with denver for how long were you close to being finished with all of your graduate work at that time no so you know 1999 it took comps and then phds being phds i didn't actually finish up until 2004 okay um so i played for denver with the exception of the i guess it was the 2002 season i played maybe one game for them um but uh, yeah, I played for him for a couple of years there. So what, when you first started playing, what was your impression of the game itself? As you know, if you'd say compared to rugby. Uh, so, you know, it, it has a, it had at the time uh, certainly a reputation of being very brutal. Uh, in in the 1980s with ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, they had played up the 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 hard aspect of footy. Right, right. Uh, it wasn't compared to rugby. It wasn't as I'll say orthopedically brutal. Uh, you still had the big hits. You still had big bumps. Uh, so it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't touch football by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more, uh, I'll say, aerobically intense than orthopedically intense. Um, and there was also, there are certain skills in footy, uh, particularly on the kicking side, uh, that don't natively come to Americans you know when we punt a ball mm-hmm. we punt so that it goes long distance very high mm-hmm. the whole idea is to turn it into a hospital pass to the guy that's on the receiving end because right, he's right. on the other team yes, um, yes. and so in, in footy for the most part that that is completely opposite so learning how to drop kick a ball and have it go low and and hit a guy who is on your own team. Right, right. Uh, that was that was something uh, that was was hard to, to, to work on, and it's something that you see a lot of Americans, uh, you know, as they're running down the field with the ball, have to think about it before they go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the handball, you know, it, it, rugby, even you know, gridiron football, uh, you, you toss the ball. You know? Right, right. Uh, and so you know, the first time out. You get a tackler on you. You've got a person that's close to you that you can get the ball away to. Inevitably, you throw the ball. <laughs> um, and, and so the th- learning to think through, okay, it's, it's a hand pass. You've got to strike the ball. Uh, that took some. So there, there, was a, there was a skill element to it, and there was a, uh, uh, an aerobic element to it. But then the other thing, particularly that Denver at the time had, and I think still has, uh, is that they had they had sort of a a core of Aussies who brought this club spirit, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, you know we're there 
you know, we're, we're going to sing a club song at the end of the game. And it, it seems ridiculous, but you've got all of these crazy Aussies there doing it, so you get in with that. Right, right. Uh, we're going to go out on a pub crawl. And so <laughs> the guys get together, and, and we do this pub crawl. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they started talking about mateship. So on, on the one hand, there's this, you know, it's a great athletic thing. It's a, a you know, great sport to be involved with. Um, but with good clubs, it also comes with this cross-cultural experience. I uh, am with a sense of community and camaraderie. And that, I was going to ask about the camaraderie, and that's, and that's something that you probably see translating even into your military career, where you have people who, you know, you, you're working alongside and you're bring, being brought together from disparate, different places, but you've come together to some sort of a cohesive unit. It, absolutely. And in, in particular, although I'm not, uh, I'm not a line aviator, I, mm-hmm. I, I I work heavily with the aviation community, and so uh, they talk about squadron cultures, right, right, uh, and guys hanging out in the ready room and mm-hmm. um, and being tight with your squadron mates. Uh, you very similar sort of uh, of idea here. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it, they're a team uh, doing a job, but they're also a team hanging out. Right, uh, right. Yeah. You know, you, it, all all naval aviation references Top Gun at this point, but you know they're. There is an element of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was the, I worked in my squadron's operations department, so I, I was, at sea, I was, my workspace was the ready room, right. so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I heard, I heard things that <laughs> the other enlisted people in my squadron had no, no privy to, they didn't know about it, so, and a lot of it I kept hush-hush, you know, that, and, and some of the acquisition of the 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 nicknames for the different people i was just telling my son about one of them which i'm i'll tell you off air because i don't want to roger it was a it was a really good nickname yeah. uh <laughs> well and, and so the the funny thing about it like again with the dogs mm-hmm. um so you know m- my name is jeff grubb uh if you go out and you talk to people who were with the dogs at the time and you say hey do you know jeff they probably aren't going to recognize that if right. you say, hey, Grubby, mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, it's Grubby. And because I've played in a couple of places around the, the country over the years, um, I, I'm kind of known as Grubby. Um, and, and I was told to ask about your nickname. Darren Green suggested that I ask about the origins of your nickname. Oh, yeah. Well, no. So, so mine's not a, a, a truly cool nickname in that it's, it's a playoff of my, uh, uh, playoff of my name. My mm-hmm. last name is Grub. Uh, but yeah, for a time there with the, with the Bulldogs, we had a, a guy named Phil, uh, and then he and I were playing Rover, Ruck Rover combination. And so we had Grubby and Filthy in the, in the middle. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's well, and, and the way he described it in terms of asking you, that makes complete sense then. Cause he'd said that there was kind of a, a connection between you and one other, one other player then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So you, you were with Denver for a while and you, you moved on as you're, as now right. were you. Were you attached to the Navy while you were working your PhD, or did you enter the Navy after that? No, I'm, I'm one of those silly guys who went all the way through uh, undergrad and graduate school before joining the Navy. Okay. Uh, so I uh, graduated from DU in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, I came in uh, into the Navy, uh, was direct commissioned. Uh, so that summer, I uh, ended up going to Newport for officer indoctrination school and then air medical officer school uh, down the road that way. Um, when I did that, uh, you know, obviously going through that training for a year, year and a half, you know, closer to two years, 
wasn't in a position where I was going to be able to play uh, and really wasn't in a place where there was a team. Mm-hmm. Pensacola is pretty far away from, at, at the time, there really wasn't a team there. Right, right. Um, so I went through that. I made my first assignment. I uh, was at uh, Patuxent River Naval Air Station, which is in <clears throat> in Southern Maryland, uh, which is it's about an hour and a half drive south of Washington, D.C., uh, if that's that, with no traffic, right? That's with it no means traffic. Eight days with traffic. Precisely. <laughs> so, so if, 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 for example, somebody were playing footy on the National Mall at uh, at like nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, uh-huh. uh, and you're silly because you're in the military and you get up early anyway, well, you can you can make that drive in an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, assuming that the cops don't aren't Pull out you with over. The, yes. With the whole deal. Yes. Uh, so I. I you know, he's maybe there for six months to a year, uh, and got the hankering to play footy again. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way to let off steam. Again, it's a great way to, uh, have a sense of community and, uh, one that is not tied to the job. Uh, so, uh, went up and played with, uh, Baltimore Washington Eagles. Okay. Uh, I probably did that for about a year, um, Difficulty is that an hour and a half drive. Right, right. Every every Saturday morning, um, that's hard to sustain. Which, and you're kind of doing that again, are you not? Yeah, with, no. With you playing with the the RVA Lions. E- exactly. So, so uh, with with Richmond, and, and part of what happened there was that, um, you know, in in my my various tours, uh, I spent an awful lot of time going uh, back and forth between. Um, the Mid-Atlantic region uh, in Florida, mm-hmm. and so I played for, I played off and on for a couple of iterations of a team that was in Tampa, uh, and most recently I uh, was actually assigned uh, down at SOCOM in Tampa, uh, and so that was that was right when they were that team had gone, they had left the USAFL, they had started playing. Uh, AFLX style footy locally. Okay, like on like a soccer sized field, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, and I went out uh, after like about six years laying off of footy, and it was like, wow, this I really needed this. I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate just how much I I got out of playing footy, being with the team, uh, that kind of outlet. Well, when I got orders to come back up here to Norfolk, um, Darren Green had started the RVA Lions right, in, right. in the interim. Uh, and it was like, yeah, that's an hour and a half drive, but that that experience with the Tampa Bay Tiger Sharks now, um, it was like, yeah, I, I have to do that. That's that's just something that makes my life a lot better. Now, do you have anybody in the area here in Norfolk that, that comes with you to Richmond to play, or are you flying solo? So right now I'm flying solo. Okay. Uh, we have started a Facebook group. Uh, the the Hampton Roads Aussie Rules Football. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a number of people who are interested in it, uh, and also just talking around work. There are a couple of folks that are are interested, but uh, thus far right now, it's just me that's making okay. the drive. I've been trying to talk my son into it, but uh, exactly, yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> he's stationed here, and it's been uh, uh, so far, it's fallen on deaf ears. You know, he's yeah. he's he's much more into basketball, so he he plays a lot of you know, he ran cross country and was a baseball player, but. Uh, he uh, he plays basketball now, so that's that's kind of his thing. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and understandably, it's it's easier to get together a basketball team. Well, true, that's true, that's true. Yes, and uh, it's 
but I mean, it is a hike. And, and I'm trying to recall, I think I talked when I was talking with Darren before, he mentioned that, I don't know why, I'm, and I could be completely wrong on this, but I seem to be like you weren't always driving to get there. And maybe I'm wrong on that. No, it, that's correct. So I'm a, I'm a private pilot. I'm okay. I own an airplane. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, maybe I can, I can fly up to, to one of these airports in Richmond and uh-huh. uh, either get a cheap Uber or get somebody who's driving along the way. Uh, and I've done that, done that twice. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that the, because the, the Lions for their Saturday practice, they, uh, they play right in front of the Carillon in, uh, uh, in Richmond. Uh, and so that is, that's pretty far out from the Hanover Airport and the Chesterfield Airport. Uh, and on, and they, they play on Sundays. Uh, so um, trying to get an Uber from the Hanover Airport on a Sunday morning is, is nigh on impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to, to get somebody who's coming in from that direction, uh, we actually do have people that are coming in from Fredericksburg. Okay. Um, and Darren's come and picked me up once. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's more that, that gives me an excuse to, to get flying in at the same time. That I'm well, that's food. and that 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 makes sense. But it does has it ended up where you're thinking you're looking at your watch and going this this trip that I'm saving time on is actually taking me an extra hour and 15 minutes waiting on a ride or that sort of thing. Well, yeah. So the first time that I did it, uh, you know. It, between driving to my local airport where the plane is, mm-hmm. doing the pre-flight, uh, you know, taking off and getting to Hanover, uh, I was about I was about thirty minutes ahead of schedule. Okay, uh, and then I waited forty five minutes for <laughs> for Uber. So, okay, yeah. and and just in this area, I would have to imagine that the uh, that the skies are a little crowded here because we're 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 talking we're right near the air, the actual Norfolk Airport, and yep. not too far away from from yeah. Oceana and the the air station up at at the Norfolk base. Yeah, and, and then on top of it, you've got, uh, you know, three general aviation and towered airports. I'm at okay. one of those. Um, so, yeah, there, there's an awful lot of air traffic down here. Saturday morning, Sunday morning, mm-hmm. uh, not as much, but, uh, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, we've got two different naval air stations. We've got uh, Langley Air Force Base across the way. So well, that's true. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are an awful lot of people who like airplanes in this area <laughs> and they own airplanes and, and they fly airplanes. So. so what are, you know, you, you've played on several different clubs, you know, throughout a couple of decades. What are some of your greatest memories playing the game? What are some of the things that you look back on fondly? So just, just from, from a luck out perspective, uh, I started playing with Denver uh, although I came out in 1999, really the, the first full season I played with them was 2000. Uh, and that year they won their first national championship. So I went from, uh, you know, a complete novice at footy mm-hmm. uh, to scoring a medallion at the end of the year. Fantastic. Um, and uh, so did that, uh, playing with them again in 2003 when we won the, the national championship uh, at that point. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, the, the past year, like two years ago, 19, 2019 thereabouts, um, with, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Tiger Sharks, uh, getting that footy club, uh, going from, uh, you know, they were calling it major league footy at the time, uh, back into the USAFL, Mm -hmm. uh, with that group of guys, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a, 
they're they're not as young as a lot of the footy clubs that I've played with, frankly, but okay. like a really solid group of guys, and it was just a lot of fun to be around that that group and get back into footy. Um, and so, you know, it, it's my my Denver experience was definitely a you know this is an athletic, you know we've gone out we've won the thing. Uh, my experience with Tampa Bay was, uh, you know, it, this is a really solid group of people, and uh, you know we're we're out we're you know, we've got kid-sized footies, and we're, we're playing footy on the beach. It, it was cool. a good time. Very cool. Very cool. That's it's. Uh, yeah, I got I got to see my first games in person back in August. I went down to a regional tournament in Cincinnati, and uh, there were some you know four different clubs that were there. I think, um, or different parts of four clubs. Indianapolis had some people there, and Nashville, and then Columbus and Cincinnati as well. Uh, but. It was a lot of fun. I got to. Sp- I don't know if you've ever met Wayne Kraska before. Yeah, yeah I, I spent the afternoon sitting and you know, talking with Wayne and uh, had a, had a lot of interesting insight. I wish I would have recorded that. I mean, I had all the equipment with me, but I just got talking to him and I was done. I was like, I didn't record a single moment of this. And, and I think that maybe he he you know his views on some things may be a little divergent from some of the other folks that are that are part of the the hierarchy of the USAFL. Right. Uh, so. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just you know, different different trains of thought on things. Um, so, where would you like to see this game here in the states over the next five to ten years? So, you know, from a selfish perspective, I would like to have uh, more local uh, venues to be able to play footy, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of what we're trying to do here in Virginia. Uh, so you know, obviously there's a there's a pretty good core in Northern Virginia with Washington team now. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren's trying to get a team that is based out of Richmond, but fundamentally we've got people that are driving in from uh, Fredericksburg, uh, Hampton Roads. Uh, you know, if it were possible to put together what they call a, a metro side uh, from the Hampton Roads area, uh, and then team together with with. Richmond as as sort of our USAFL side, right? I uh, just to have a place where people from different areas can can get into the game, uh, and uh, you know not not have to travel. You know these USAFL tournaments they're they're great, but fundamentally not everybody is going to be able to you know go to Philadelphia on the weekend, mm-hmm. or go to right, Atlanta right. on the weekend. Yes. Uh, so to to be able to have more of a base so that we can play. Uh, just be able to play more often. Yeah, and that would be you know, if, and if you had you know, because you've got the the DC group, you got the RVA group, uh, and those are really the there isn't anything in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, yeah, the uh, Raleigh, the the Cats. Okay. Uh, okay. So they've got a they've got a ti- excuse me the Tigers team uh, uh, in North Carolina, uh, and they, as with many teams, they fluctuate in strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the DC team when I when I played for the Eagles it was the Baltimore Washington Eagles right, right. and that has since uh, split so they've got a DC Eagles and, and a Baltimore, Baltimore Dockers right yeah yeah uh, and so you know when we when we do Mid Atlantic things mm-hmm. uh, we we've got that sweep from from uh, from North Carolina up to Philadelphia sometimes New York okay um, but yeah okay so. Um... We're going to go back to Japan and the young lady from Adelaide for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
are you are you a crow supporter to this day? I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. I mean, it, this year, last year, a little difficult well, to admit that, but yes. I, you know what they? You know, two years ago, their record was not great. Okay, mm-hmm. but they played. You know, I and I watch just about every game every week because right. that's just where I am in my life right now. Uh, they were a lot like North Melbourne this past year. Nobody really wanted to play them because they, they were going to play you hard. They may not beat you, right? but you're going to know that you, you were competing in a, in a pretty hard-fought contest. Yeah, no, I, I have to say that the Crows, it was fun to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, for as poor as their end record ended up being, um, like, it didn't, it wasn't an abysmal put your bag over your over your head kind right, of right. kind of thing. Yes, so. I mean I've I've been a uh, Cleveland Browns fan my whole life, so well, yeah, exactly. So. I have a a ready supply of uh, of bags with the eye holes cut in them. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> this is my Tuesday bag. I'll put that one on now. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you said you've not been to Australia before. Is that something that is on your bucket list of getting there someday to go? Yeah, absolutely. I would would love to get out there. Um, it's haven't had. Well, haven't had the opportunity uh, with with work mm-hmm. and uh, family. Uh, so, you know, next year is going to be my thirtieth high school reunion. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to going to Juno for uh, there you go for next summer. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, that that's it's one of those things that I would like to do. Okay. And, now, do you have do you have kids? I do. Uh, okay. I've got a son. Okay. Now, has has he been to Juno before? He has not. Okay. Uh, so he's he's eight. Okay. And uh, the last time that I was there, I uh, was ten years ago. So. Okay. Okay. So you're looking forward to. It. I'm assuming he's at least making the trek to the, to the reunion. But oh yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. No and uh, yeah it's uh, yeah it's the opportunity to show him that you know this is this crazy place where I grew mm-hmm. up and. Um, yeah. And you still have family there today? Uh, so my sister's moving back. Okay. Uh, and so part of what we're going to do is we're going to help the, uh, her get moved into her house while she's there. Okay. Terrific. Terrific. It's, you know, as I mentioned before, it's, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I had a friend of mine when I was in college, you know, who's studying to be a teacher as well, that he he moved to Alaska and he's teaching somewhere out in the, the, the mainland part of Alaska. Right. In a, he's been teaching in a small community there for you know 25 years yeah yeah it's been uh it's been you know and he absolutely loves it up there no it, it's folks who go there it's you either get the person that, that moves up and then you know can't wait to, to mm-hmm. get out of there and have gone within a year or you get the person that you know bought a round trip ticket to help somebody move and right right that was 20 years ago and they still haven't come back yeah and they they've sold they've cashed the ticket back in yeah i've got a uh gentleman who is in uh anchorage that i served with in the squadron I was in, who is, uh, you know, had had worked in talk radio up there for a long time until that station changed formats. But you know, he was a he was an ordinanceman in the squadron I was in. I still keep in touch with him. Mm-hmm. So you know, a couple of questions about, you know, you away from the, uh, from from footy. Mm-hmm. Now you you said you can't discuss a whole heck of a lot, but you know, yeah, as we were talking before we started recording, you know, flight surgeons are kind of there to right. make sure that the, the the physical being of, of the aviators are are good enough to you know are healthy enough to go fly and that sort of thing but you you take a different approach with your job is there anything that you can tell us about that yeah so i'm i am a naval aerospace experimental psychologist 
uh, which uh, you know usually makes people cringe in terror and try to run for the door. Uh, but in reality, we don't have any clinical quals. Uh, we're also not a particularly large community. Uh, we've had AEPs since 19, well, yeah, 1941, I guess is when we say uh, the, the original guy was in. Uh, I am number 124. Uh, Since 1941. Yeah, so we'll, we'll put a caveat okay. around that in that I am the 124th winged AEP. They didn't start winging them and therefore numbering them until much later. Okay. But really there have been a, maybe 250, 300 of us. Uh, we, we specialize in human systems integration where people will most commonly run into us is when they're taking the selection test to become a pilot or a naval flight officer. Uh, we're, the, we're the people who develop and administer the ASTB. Uh, but we also do uh, human factors engineering, uh, so cockpit design, cockpit analysis. Okay. Uh, I'm currently at the Naval Safety Center, so I do uh, mishap analysis and investigation, um, those sorts of things. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, do you, do you get to do any flying in any of the the current aircraft yourself? Yeah, so I'm as an air medical officer, I'm on flight status, okay. uh, which means that uh, I have a, one, I draw flight pay. Uh, in order to draw that flight pay, it's conditional on me actually flying. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we, we joke about, you know, sitting out at the end of the runway with our thumb in the air looking for <laughs> the, you know, trying to thumb a ride. Uh, you, ordinarily, like a, a flight surgeon will be attached to a to a squadron or wing, mm-hmm. uh, and they will typically fly with their guys with mm-hmm. the, with with their units, uh, because I am not attached to a specific squadron. Uh, you know, I've I've got that one additional hurdle to go through where I've got to go out and go, hey, you, you don't know me from from right right from anybody, but you know, I'd, I'd really like to go flying with you guys. So. Here's here's my ID. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that, that's that's pretty cool. So. Are you able to talk about what's been the most exciting aircraft that you've been in? Uh, so in, in terms of uh, actually flying, you know, it, this will sound stupid, but uh, the T-39 uh, okay. in the, back in the day. So it, it, it's a, you can see them on the civilian market. They're called a Sabreliner. It's like a business jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the jet that they did uh, uh, NFO training. Uh, so... Uh, you know, again, Top Gun, Maverick, Pilot, Goose, and yes. Foe. So if you're going to train the next Goose, mm-hmm. uh, they would put them in this T-39, this business jet. Uh, you've got uh, the student pilot was up in the right front seat. Uh, the student NFO, or the instructor NFO was in a jump seat behind that, uh, the student. And then we had the Gray Eagles, so there were retirees who were pilots uh, in, you know, retired pilot not a civilian pilot now these are these are you know fighter pilots who have found a way to be a fighter pilot without right right uh, uh, without the the fighter plane um, and uh, then in the back you'd have like the next guy who was going to be the the student up front uh, and uh, you know an empty seat for the flight dock uh, and so we had a repeat of the instruments that the uh, that the student NFO had uh, so his radar his thing. Uh, and they would do low-level routes, so 300 feet, 500, or 500 feet, 300 knots. Yeah. Uh, you know, bouncing around the southeastern <laughs> United States. Uh, occasionally, if I, if I, you know, my stomach was feeling up to it, uh, they would do uh, practice intercepts. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're talking about uh, talking about people that haven't. They're still learning. 
Right, right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm watching the radar dis- display. Uh, I can see that the guy up front thinks that he wants to go up and to the right because that's what the dot says that he should do. Uh-huh. And invariably, it's like down and to the left. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> come right. No, up. No, down. And the Gray Eagle pilot does within safety bounds precisely what the student tells him to do. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, for the people in the back, and this is me all the time, you've got this tiny little window over on the side where you can maybe see the horizon occasionally. And the airplane's going all over the place as this guy's chasing the dot. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've filled up a couple of... A couple of bags? A couple of bags okay. with that one. Okay. Well, I'm not loaning you one of my bronze bags because right. it has holes in it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what have you learned in your life that uh, that you wish you could convey to people of the next generation, maybe your son's age that, you know, maybe, maybe you've already, you've conveyed it to him, but everybody else his age, what would, what would you like to convey to them that you think that they should know? Yeah. So learning in, and whether this is trying to kick a football, uh, or, you know, being an aerospace experimental psychologist or a pilot or anything about that, it, it's, uh, it's about engaging with the environment. Uh, and, you know, making, being, good with making an error Mm -hmm. uh error driven learning is a thing that's you know kick the ball the ball doesn't go anywhere near where you wanted it to but you've sort of learned something about the way that it felt coming off of your foot and how you dropped it and where it went Mm -hmm. uh and so uh you know being comfortable with the idea that i'm new to this i'm gonna make an error but i'm gonna i'm gonna engage with the environment i'm gonna gonna go for it i think that that is a general thing uh, that, you know, kicking a footy, learning the language, flying an airplane, uh, having a conversation with a girl. There you you go. Okay. Okay. Couple more um, questions that aren't necessarily footy related here. You've, you've just been uh, given the, the task of hosting a music festival. What three artists or bands are performing at that festival? Who are you bringing in? Okay, so unfortunately, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest during uh, uh, the early 90s, really, was my high school uh, period. Okay. So I tend toward grunge. Now, unfortunately, many of these grunge artists are no longer with us, but so I guess I bring the Foo Fighters, uh, I bring Pearl Jam. Uh, I don't know if what's left of Soundgarden is yeah. still doing anything. Yeah, but that's true. Yeah, with, anyway. yeah, with Mr. Cornell being gone. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not a bad show. That's yeah. not a bad show. I'm uh, in February. I'm actually going to be going to see Volbeat up in Toledo. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've uh, more recently uh, like Rain Wolf and uh, Highly Suspect and Royal Blood. I guess. Okay. But, yeah. yeah, we're we're also see they're they're playing with Ghost. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is you know. And I've I've shown my my wife. Yeah, you know, we've been married twenty six years now. I've shown her the picture. She's like, okay, you're gonna go see them. Whatever, fine. <laughs> I'll stick with yeah. I'll stick with Travis Tritt. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, you're gonna sit down once your career is is finished, and you've decided to to step away from the military and retire, and you decide to write your autobiography. What are you gonna call it? Oh God. <laughs> 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 Man, you no. Know, so the, the being being a PhD in academic, I, I end up writing an awful lot of papers, and I think the, the the secret to a title is that you don't write it until after you've written the book. Okay. You know, written, written the thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, you, that would be, yeah, 
yeah, writing the title first is 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 you know guaranteed a a guaranteed fail. Okay, well that's maybe that's the title there. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. So is, anything else that related to footy that you think we should uh, be addressing or into your you know your your career? I mean, are you you've been in about seventeen years? You said yes. Yeah, so I've been in in the navy for seventeen years. Um, one of the things that, you know, again, I sort of got into footy because rugby was orthopedically brutal. And that's, uh, that's, a real, that's an interesting phrase because that's, you know, it's... Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at footy, you know, I, I, and I would imagine, you know, because footy does have a bit of a, a history with concussions right. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I would think somebody who's with your background is like... What am I doing here? Maybe just once in a blue moon, have you have you have you had yourself a concussion here or there that you played that maybe you've recognized? Yeah, so I've never had a concussion. Okay, I've broken fingers playing footy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I've taken some pretty good hits. Okay, uh, for a little while there, that six year hiatus uh, before I got back with the uh, uh, with with the Tiger Sharks. Uh, that's that was initially prompted by taking a a, a big hit. And sort of sitting there and thinking, you know, I'm professionally, I'm getting paid to be a thinker. Right. Yeah. And, yes. and if I'm, if, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm doing this for, this, this may be bad for business. Um, you know, but you know, fundamentally, you know, the, the Americans, the, the, the you know leading cause of of uh, you know death and premature death in the United States is heart disease. It's, well, yeah, it, that's you know, it, it's. CTE is not not a major um, is not a major cause of death amongst the population. Right, right. So. That's 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 a great point. Yes, you know, despite uh, despite um, Will Smith's film from a few years ago, right, right, right. Yeah, which uh, actually is one I'm I'm using in my I teach a class called Contemporary History Through Film. Oh, okay, that's one yeah, of the, yeah. One of the films that I actually use in the class. Yeah, so you know, it's it's. One of the one of the truisms is that people are, are miserable about assessing relative risk, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, you know, I, I, as a as a private pilot, I frequently have the uh, conversations. You know, particularly in Central Florida, I'd have this conversations like, "You fly airplanes, you're nuts," and like, "You drive on I four, you're nuts." <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it it's yeah, it, making making a conscious risk assessment. Right. Right. Um, and you know, approaching it eyes wide open. Yeah, if, if you're playing footy, you are opening yourself up for, you know, a, a, a good bump, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust is not a thing in footy. If if that's right, your strategy, right. you're going to lose bad. Yes, which you know, but about 50 minutes from now is the start of the Ohio State Michigan game, which well, yeah, exactly, you know, be- sir. Put, hopefully finding it on the radio as I hop on the road today and listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so, uh, you know, along those lines, so rugby, uh, you know, a, a, a completely valid strategy is, you know, to, to keep it in the scrum and the rolling mall mm-hmm. and, you know, do these, these forward picks and, and drive it straight into the next guy and, and push them back that way. And, and that doesn't work in footy. And one of the, one of the things that is a consequence of that is that, uh, uh, I, I think it is more sustainable. Uh, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 50. I'm not there yet, but yeah. I'm getting there fast. Yeah. Uh, and I don't feel like I'm 
going to be radically broken. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that I can, I, I think I can continue to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and as you mentioned, you know, early on in our discussion the, that, you know, you said you didn't feel as though you were built for rugby yeah. and, 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 you know, rugby players and footy players are built different from one another. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it's, it's two different skill sets. Well, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you, you can think about it in a, in a continuum from, uh, you know, gridiron football out to, to footy where, you know, in, in gridiron, you've got a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of very athletic people. Uh, but fundamentally, you know, you, you, you run for, you know, five to seven seconds and right, then you right. come back and you have a committee Take meeting. A, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's one of the things that, uh, that, that really drew me to, to watch it footy is, is it, it's, it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a game that really doesn't stop. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I work as a public address announcer besides teaching and I, I, I announce our high school soccer games, but I, I don't watch soccer beyond that because I, Right. I, I joke that I, I joke with the, the players that to me co- that it's a communist sport because they don't let you use all your body parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, offsides, you're faster than the other guy. No, you have to be just the same speed as that person. Sorry, that's a penalty. Yeah, yeah. well, and it, it's you know I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. I will say like with footy, if you've not if you've not sat down and watched a game with somebody who who kind of knows what's going on, mm-hmm. it, there are some things that can be a little bit on the on the strange side. Right. So. Right. Uh, the mark it, when I was, you know, I'd, I'd seen it on TV in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you'd see this, this wonderful flowing, uh, set of play where guys are getting lit up left, right, and center. Right, and, bumps. Right. and then suddenly somebody kicks this long ball. It goes out to a guy and there's nobody else in the picture, nobody mm-hmm. around him. And somehow there's a foul because he's getting a free kick. It took me a while to figure out that yes, it was like, yes. no, if you catch a clean ball, yeah. you get a free kick from that point. Yeah. Um, and, and so there are a few of those things, but yeah. Well, I, I think we've covered just about everything here. Um, ladies and gents, I do want to thank you. I do want to thank, uh, Mr. Jeff Grubb from the RVA Lions and the United States Navy for stopping by to chat for this episode of the podcast, sir. It was great to have you this morning. This was, this was an absolute joy. Absolutely. And, and thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate it. This was, this, I really enjoyed this. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. Like I said, I'm getting ready to go make about a 10-hour drive home into Lake Effect Snow. So I'd rather stay here and chat all day long, but, <laughs> but oh, I'm not going to get myself I'm not going to get myself any closer to home if I do that cuz I've got to be back to work on Monday. So Yeah. Thanks again. This was this was absolutely wonderful. And thank you. You bet. I'd like to give a big thanks to Commander Jeff Grubb for stopping by the Delta Hotel in Norfolk, Virginia, so he and I could have this chat. I hope you enjoyed it. It was it was fascinating to talk to him about his job. And like I had said, it's a job that I didn't realize existed. And it was it was and this is from somebody who had worked kind of in the aviation community in the Navy for a few years and I didn't know that 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 he did this job or that it even was around. So it was a very compelling story. I loved hearing his uh, talk about his love for the game of footy as well and how it helped to level him out uh, to help you know make him whole and to give him the opportunity away from his studies as he and his job as well. So again, a huge thanks to uh, Commander Grubb. I truly appreciate it, sir. Like I said, I think you have the most interesting job that I have ever heard of. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast at my new website, ayankonthefooty.com. I hope you'll consider checking it out. 
You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue from a previous episode. Uh, you can shoot me a question there. You can also sign up for the mailing list there. If you'd like to help out the show, maybe you consider checking out that little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner of my website, the Buy Me a Coffee page, if you want to help out the, co- the podcast that way. If you also want to check out some of my podcast gear, you can do that over on the Redbubble page. I just was over there not too long ago and made a few purchases uh, for the uh, for myself on the Redbubble page, so I'm really looking forward to getting those, uh, those things in here very soon. Now, again, uh, as I've mentioned in the last few episodes, I am looking for guests that are interested in talking about their club's offseason, whether that be in the AFLW or the AFL comps. If you're interested in doing that, go ahead and check out the register as a guest button at the top of the website there on the guest intake form. You can fill that out. I'll get back with you very soon to get you uh, set up for that. Uh, Again, that's at the top of my website. You can check that out there at yankonthefooty.com. Now that you've listened, I hope you'll consider heading over to Apple Podcasts or to Podchaser or even on my website and leaving a five-star review if you like the show. Remember, you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com as well as at yank underscore on on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. You can also find the podcast on my YouTube channel. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. And again, if you haven't done so yet, I hope you'll consider signing up for the email list so I can get the podcast into your ears as soon as an episode comes out. Ladies and gents, I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. I want to thank you for listening. I truly appreciate you you tuning in. We're fans of this game. We, We see the calendar flipping over to December, and that's soon going to be... January, when the women's comp gets started for this year, although it was supposed to be starting in December, it got pushed back a little bit. Footy's almost back, and I'm excited. I know a lot of you are excited as well. I can't wait to see the first bounce and get things going again. We're fans of this game. It's a game we love. I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and your family. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, May your dribble kick never, ever hit that blasted post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 114 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget, you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also check out my website at yankonthefooty.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, ladies and gents, goodbye. <laughs>